This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. And again, welcome here to New Church Live. Great to see so many of you here. And it's, it's interesting in New Church Live, like this is actually one of our biggest services of the year. And I think it, it speaks to the great DNA that this congregation has. And we're using the service this year to wrap up three simple steps. And our three simple steps are pretty simple. First was simply learning to say yes to less. In other words, how do we commit to less things? But to make those commitments where we are committed mean actually more. That in actually, in, in reducing what we're committed to, and in really putting it on a higher plane, we can really affect a lot of change in the world. The next one, I'm going to have you say the N-word. Say no. no to anger. Was anyone successful in not being angry for the whole week? No. no. <laughs> well said, Rob. It's true. Like, yeah, I, I made it, I think, till Sunday at 3.30. And... Um, that's all good. That's progress. Progress, not perfection. So, so saying no to anger was our second one. How do we learn to kind of live differently that way? And this week, I'm going to ask you to say these two words. Please, the third step is to join community. join community. How do we join community? Three simple things that we can look at at the beginning of the year that could actually turn 2016 into something very, very different, incredibly powerful. What we're going to be talking about today is Martin Luther King and the concept of the beloved community. A beautiful, beautiful concept that has deep Christian roots to it. A lot of people, you know, they talk about Martin Luther King and they forget that he was Reverend Martin Luther King. That he actually was was a very talented pastor. He was actually trained very close to here down in Chester County. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful concept because you can see sort of where history comes together with spirituality, comes together with humanity, how they all tie together in this amazing, amazing way. Now that phrase, the beloved community, goes back to 1956 in this event. Everybody said, probably a lot of you know this, my former history students better all know this. Who is that lady on the right? Shout it out. Rosa Parks. It's Rosa Parks. She was the, the person who really started the Montgomery bus boycott when she refused to leave her seat after she was asked to go, go and move out of the white section of the bus. That was really sort of the, the very beginning of the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King offered these beautiful lines in regard to this bus boycott. We must remember as we boycott that a boycott is not an end within itself. It's merely a means to awaken a sense of shame within the oppressor and challenge his false sense of superiority. But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end, I want to read that again. The end is the creation. But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end, the end is the creation of the the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform. Now, the significance of that, folks, is is that it goes back to to, to setting up an an anchor of sorts. It's so easy. I was talking with Michael before the service. It's so easy to look at at civil rights and go like, you know, it's it's just nice. It's nice that everybody's equal now. And, And that is nice. And that is important. But But real faith actually has a doing to it. That's, that's about as new church as I can make it. Like, new church, we really believe, like, faith is a wonderful thing, and it needs to, to find, its, find its realization in action, in actual acts of our lives. 
where our lives become a living witness to what we hold dear and what we think is most significant. So this very idea of the beloved community goes back, goes back several millennia. Way back, you know, you look at the book of Isaiah going way back like three, 4,000 years, and you look at a beautiful passage from there, look at this beautiful passage from Isaiah 11. And you have to see this sort of poetically. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. See, that's, that's poetry where, where you hear people, folks, listen, you hear people straining Straining thousands of years ago, no doubt that goes thousands of years before that, straining thousands of years ago, saying there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way where we can take these divisions, we can take these separations like, like wolves and lambs and leopards and goats and calves and lions. That was the language that they had that was accessible to them. We have to take these things that are opposite, and there has to be a way to bring them together. That's why Isaiah was called the Nobel Laureate of Hope you know, of hope. We can bring those things together. New Church reads this very poetically, that idea of the little child that leads. That's the idea. The tender love, innocence. Tender love and innocence. That's that's what will organize it all. That if we can somehow get around that, those divisions start to separate and we start to draw more and more together, shoulder to shoulder, as we move forward into our lives. I mean, a goofy little story I had yesterday. I feel like God's giving me sermons all the time. Like, I'm walking our dog, who's not well-trained. Two other people are walking their dog towards us. And of course, our dog decides, like, time to play or fight. You know, one of the two. So the dogs are like, we all know this, when your dog's totally out of control and you're, like, doing this with the leash... Right, the dog's just bounding all over. And I'm like, this is not good. And, and the person very calmly said, you know, if we just walk our dogs together for 50 yards, they'll start to think they're a pack and they'll settle down. And I'm thinking, I don't believe you. <laughs> and lo and behold, it was like, it was like some crazy parlor trick. You know where you can make a cat fall asleep? I mean, it's just crazy. So literally, like, we get the dogs and we start walking and the dog's like instantly like, I'm totally under control now. And I think there's something about human nature there too, right? Like if, if we come at each other head to head, it's always a threat. But listen carefully. When we join together shoulder to shoulder, it's a shared mission, a shared vision. It's what Martin Luther King, I'm going to quiz you here, would call the, can we all say it together? Would call the, would call the beloved community. We stop doing this and we start moving shoulder to shoulder. And it really is a miraculous piece of the world. Now, in talking about this, this sermon with a dear friend of mine, he was relaying to me, you know, this conversation he had back in college. And uh, the conversation he had is he said, you know, my professor said the most dangerous equation in the world, if you're going to live into the beloved community, is this. Can we say it? One equals one. If you believe that, really live into and believe that, that can change your life. That one equals one. And I'm not talking about just like holding it theoretically. Yeah, of course we're all equal. But can you really live into that? Can you live into that with all your actions? Can you live into it? Ready for this? Can you live into with that person where you tend to see yourself here and them here? Can you say, no, one equals one. 
Can you live into it where you see yourself here and you see them there? Can you just live into one equals one? That's a dangerous equation, actually. It's a dangerous equation. It's actually where Christ was, Christ was killed over that simple equation that one equals one. That all those lines of society just don't hold anymore. And that one equals one. That we have to see each other into our true humanity. Notice how I'm saying that. To see each other into our truest humanity. That's what religion really is calling people forth to. I mean, a beautiful concept there, I think. What happens with this is then several movements take place. And these are three that he talked a lot about. Desegregation to integration. So in other words, we move just beyond kind of a legalistic, like there's no more laws on the books. Granted, but is there integration? See, integration, integrate, integrity, that's where we get the word. It's Latin for woven together. Are we really woven together? A great question. The second one, can you move from just being an acquaintance to actually seeing others as your family? Everyone is your family. The family of man. In the new church, what we call divine humanity, what we call the human form that we believe everything is in the form of. And last, and this was Martin Luther King. I love this one. Could you read it with me? Rubbing elbows to sharing hearts. That's beautiful. I mean, sure, it's, it's nice to rub elbows, but can you, we really learn to share our hearts? Can we really learn to do that? Now, as the band comes out and you get a chance to hear from these wonderful team musicians, what we're talking about here is we're talking here about this idea of changing community. So take a look at this next slide. We're talking about a vision of restored community. And that vision of restored community, when we come back after this song, yeah, it has a lot of pressure to it. It's, it's, it's challenging to do. It has pressure. It's challenging to do. But understand this. It's a good challenge. It's a good challenge. We don't need to be shrill or fanatic or worried. Like, this is a huge opportunity. Understanding pressure. And at the same time, keeping hold of this vision of the beloved community. So when we come back, we're so privileged. We're going to get a chance to hear from Randy Gyllenhaal, a chance to hear from Jess Craft as they talk about what that's actually looked like in their lives. So it's my privilege now to, to welcome our, our two guest speakers. One is a former student. It's the second time, for those of you who don't know, I used to be a teacher. This is the second time I've had a former student. This is a, a, a student who I'm very fond of, a terrific young man. He was terrific back in the day, and he's done some amazing things. He's now a reporter for Channel 10. He's going to share with us sort of where he has seen the beloved community. It's my privilege to introduce Randy Gyllenhaal. So I never thought I'd get another homework assignment from Chuck Blair, but here we are. So as you mentioned, I'm a television journalist here in Philly. I tell stories for a living, a handful of stories every week, and that means I get to meet new people every single day. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. I get to meet people out in the field and tell their stories. And most of them, most of us, are never going to have the chance to be Rosa Parks, right? I mean, that was a special opportunity, a woman with courage and conviction and she was at the right place and the right time in history. That rare combination allowed her to create lasting change. Most of us aren't going to be faced with that kind of life-changing choice, right? We're not going to 
have to sit at a lunch counter in Greensboro to protest, and we're not going to have to protest the uh, Montgomery bus boycotts, the bus stations in Montgomery, Alabama. But that doesn't mean we're off the hook, right? Just because we're not going to change the world overnight. We make choices every single day. And in little ways, those decisions we make and those choices we make slowly add up and accumulate over time to create the society and the community that we deserve. And hopefully, it's a beloved one. So again, I tell stories. I want to show you some four stories here that uh, I've covered here in Philadelphia and in, in Florida when I worked there about people who had a choice and made something greater than themselves. And uh, we'll pop up the stories on this screen behind me as I'm talking. So let's hit play. This first story is just one of simple heroism that I cover here in Philadelphia. His name's Officer Robert Wilson III. He was a Philadelphia cop in the 22nd District. That's North Philly. He goes into a GameStop store in the winter. He's on duty. He's going to buy a video game for his son, a present. That's when two guys storm in with handguns to rob the place. Now, here's his decision he has to make. Split second, I don't think he even blinked. He immediately engages those suspects. He fires back at them, drawing the gunfire away from the crowds of people and towards himself. And for 30 seconds, he's fighting for his life, right? He died inside that store. And even though he died, he saved the lives of those people, uh, drawing the gunfire away. And more than that, he creates a safer community every day. He and his other officers are working in Philly. This next guy's from New Jersey, Glenn Calderbank. He's just a guy browsing Craigslist for some construction applies when he stumbles into an ad asking for a kidney, of all things, right? Please, I need a kidney. This woman, Nina Saria, who lives down the shore, suffers from kidney failure, and she's desperate, so she goes online. Glenn thinks, I'm just some guy, I'm a stranger, but I'm presented this opportunity, I'll step up. And he donates his kidney. Turns out his late wife died of kidney failure about 10 years earlier. He posted this ad in the newspaper before Craigslist was a thing, begging for a kidney for his wife. Nobody responded. So when he was presented that chance to help, he didn't hesitate. Community can start between just two people. This third story is uh, one from my time working in Florida. I thought it might be good for the high school students here. I met a kid named Hakeem Daly. He lives with cerebral palsy, and school's tough for him. Nobody really understood what he was going through. He was sometimes bullied, but he had one dream, and that dream was to be the homecoming king. Unfortunately, this is high school. It doesn't really work like that. He wasn't popular. He wasn't normal, right? And so the kids wouldn't have voted him in. He tried anyways. He gets in line with all the other popular kids, and the story's more about everybody else in that picture who heard, who got wind of what was happening. They got together, and unanimously, they've decided to vote for him as homecoming king, and they surprised him. Look at that reaction. Look at his face. And that's not going to change the world, right? They just voted some kid homecoming picking, but it creates a safe and loving place for this kid that doesn't have many friends and creates a community for him at his school. All right, this last one happened a couple of weeks ago. I think it's an example of community at its most literal. Allentown, Pennsylvania, the desperate search for a five-year-old boy who vanished. No coat, it was freezing cold, he has autism. Neighbors told me this part of East Allentown is kind of transitioning. Most people don't know their neighbors. They go in and out of their homes. But when they heard this kid, Jaleel Vega, had vanished, hundreds of them came out of the woodwork from every corner, every street, even from other states, to help find this kid who was missing. They turned a neighborhood into a brotherhood and a sisterhood, right? And it was a volunteer searcher who found the boy's tablet computer in the river. That clue eventually led searchers to the young boy's body, which was nearby. So this story and many others don't have a happy, doesn't have a happy ending. Um, we see a lot of sadness in the news, right? This family suffered an unspeakable tragedy, but what came for it, and it's not really a sense of consolation, but what came from it is a sense of community that the city of Allentown 
hasn't had in a long time. That city's been struggling. Low income, lots of poverty, but they came together. Regular people called to help, and they did. They acted, and they could at least give the family some sense of, I don't know, closure, a sense of love and caring during the most difficult time in their life from complete strangers who came out of nowhere to help. Again, we see a lot of sadness in the daily news, right? That's one of the biggest complaints about the news. Mr. Rogers, y'all might have heard this quote from Mr. Rogers. He said, anytime you see something scary on TV, in the news, look for the helpers. The pe- there's always people helping, right? The people running towards the disaster, not away from it. Even if we do step up, sometimes that's not even going to work. It's not going to help. It's not going to change the world. The little boy, he wasn't found in time, right? Um, that kidney donor, he went under the knife, they put him into surgery, and they realized... His kidney was too weak. They had to cancel the surgery. So is that a failure? No, he acted. They acted. They made a conscious decision to act. Let's close with a quote from a a civil rights journalist who covered Martin Luther King. Her name was Ida B. Wells. And she was asked, what can I do to help the cause? And she responds, for her, this is her answer, the answer always is, tell the world the facts, right? That would be my answer, too, as a journalist. I I tell the world the facts. That's how I contribute to a better community. Everyone out here will have a completely different answer of their own, depending on their nature, what they're good at, depending on their usefulness, right? That's a very new church teaching, right? Usefulness. I'd like to think if together we all answer that question in little ways throughout the rest of our lives, like these people did when they're presented with that chance, that Martin Luther King's idea of a beloved community can really start to take shape, and I truly see it out there in flashes and bits every single day among the people I interview, and most of the stories of people making that community happen aren't even going to make the headlines. So, four stories. Chuck, thank you very much. Perfect. And now, for our second little share here, just just watch you don't fall into the pit of despair there, for those of you who are Princess Bride fans. I, you know, it was really an honor for me to, to again, have those kids, and we're going to honor them again at the end of the service. And it goes back to, to a wonderful couple, Jess and Josh Kraft, and all the things that they do trying to make a difference out into this world. So I asked her to speak for a few minutes about where she has seen this beloved community and how she hopes her little nonprofit can change a bit of the world. Jess. Thank you for for having me and for having our students perform this morning. Um, My name is Jessica Kraft. I'm the founding executive director of nonprofit organization called Rock to the Future. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, myself and and my story with Rock to the Future. So um, when I was growing up, we... We didn't have a lot of money. We, um, you know, had hand-me-down clothes, shopped at thrift stores. I shared a small room with my two sisters. But the one thing that we did have was music education, which was provided by our school district. And so I was able to start learning music in fourth grade. And, um, you know, music really gave me a place to fit in. And it gave me a, a way to stay on track, a way to make friends and to be part of the community. Um, but because we didn't have a lot of money growing up, my priorities when I got to college were um, wanting to study something where I could make a lot of money after college. So I studied business administration and economics, and I got that amazing job after college. I worked for a financial services firm where I could buy fancy musical equipment, take trips and vacations, but 
I wasn't happy and I was falling into, you know, bouts of depression. Um, so I actually started volunteering through an organization called Big Brother Big Sister, which is really an amazing organization. And I, and I was paired with a girl. She was 13 at the time. Now she's 19, which is crazy. Um, but I was paired with a girl from Kensington. And, you know, I started to hear firsthand from her the struggles that students go through in Philadelphia and the lack of resources that they have in the schools and how that impacts their families and their futures. Um, so I, I decided that I wanted to give kids this opportunity, an opportunity that changed my life, and that opportunity was um, learning music. And so I actually left my job at the financial services firm, and I won seed funding with a, a $15,000. And in 2010, I started this organization called Rock to the Future with my husband, Josh. And we started with just 13 students and Rock to the Future. It's all about providing completely free, contemporary music education for underserved Philadelphia kids, using music as a way to improve academic performance, build positive social skills, and of course, give kids a chance to rock out and have a great time playing music. Um, we started with 13 kids, and now we're serving over 400 students in Philadelphia with completely free music education. Thank you. <laughs> But it's really, it's not just about music. We have 100% of our students from our after-school program have gone on to attend college afterwards. We have students who have won um, scholarships. <laughs> scholarships to attend music festivals and open for Dweezil Zappa. We've had students who have won scholarships to attend Berkeley School of Music. Um, on top of that, you know, just small... Wait, 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 what you might consider to be small stories, but students going from special needs classes to general education classes, all because of the power of music. Um, there's a lot of need and inequality that we still see in the world today, and it's really easy to tune that out, and it's really easy to turn your back on it, especially if it's not present in your everyday life, and if it's not visible in your community. Um, but so I implore you that this year, tomorrow, this year and in the future, to, um, to get involved and to support your neighbors near and far. So in Bernathan, in Philadelphia, in the United States, in the Middle East, in Paris, in Europe, whatever, wherever your passion is, whether it be clean water, whether it be homelessness, whether it be hunger, whether it be music, to give people a chance. Um, you'll find love, inspiration, and passion. And helping others will not only change your life, and it'll change other lives also. Um, I know that my life has been forever changed by changing my course of uh, career, my, my direction, um, and from working with these incredible, amazing youth. The kids that performed up here today are grades 8 through 11. So it's really amazing like, just how talented and incredible they are. So um, thank you so much for having me today. Rock to the future. Learn, grow, rock. All right, one brief little service announcement. If some very brave soul could go snag the kids from Kids Live, because they want me to do an announcement, we're getting towards the end of the service here. So I want to thank, you know, our, our, our speakers again. I mean, it's right, it's, it's like the beloved community. One author I love said, you know, the biggest danger to Christianity is sentimentality. Interesting, right? It sounds a little harsh, but I know what he's talking about. It's so easy to talk about things like the beloved community and I have a dream and kind of put it out there. And remember, Martin Luther King had a dream. 
but he also had a plan, <laughs> and he also took action. So, so get on board with all three. I don't care whether it's just socks. You know, from, from, from what Michael's doing, which is beautiful, to what, to what the crafts are doing, which is wonderful, to what this church and this congregation doing, which is incredible. We can all be part of that solution, all part of finding the beloved community. God gives us a space. He creates us and he gives us a space. How are you going to fill that space? That is your life. How are you going to fill it? Yeah, you can fill it with all kinds of distractions. And you can choose to also fill it with all kinds of promise. Life of deep, rich meaning and purpose. I love this quote from the Talmud because I think it gets right to it. We're not obligated to complete the work but neither are we free to desist from it. Beautiful, right? As Randy said, like, of course we can't complete the whole thing, and we're not supposed to. We're supposed to do our bit, our little piece. And we have to remember as we do that, these words, please repeat after me. The first one, fear is easy. Let's all say that together. Fear is easy. And the second phrase, hope is real. Hope is real want to hang on that note there. Hope is real. Fear is easy. Hope is real. That's from Seth Godin. A beautiful line and, and something I believe we can continue to live into more and more and more. Now, before doing a closing poem, I want all six of those wonderful musicians from Rock to the Future, if you could just stand out here for a second and then I'm going to have you have the five who are doing the poem. The Rock to the Future kids can just stand on out here for a quick sec. Rock to the Future kids, let's give them a round of applause, folks, and thank them for joining us today. Just stand right there. And I'd ask that we close today's service by listening to this beautiful poem. And when the kids live, kids, somebody went to get them, right? All right, they're going to file in here in the middle, and then we'll do a closing prayer and song. So I want you to listen to this beautiful poem, a poem called Moon Language. My bad. Admit something. Everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course. You do not say this out loud, otherwise someone will call the cops. Still, though, think about this, this great pull in us to connect. Why not become the one who lives with a full moon, full moon in each eye? That is always saying, with that sweet moon language, what every other eye in this world is dying to hear. I love that poem, you know, that idea, that sweet moon language that we all want to hear, and I think we all want to hear, the beloved community. So the way we're going to be closing today's service is I'm going to offer a prayer. You'll have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to offer your own prayer or to have a moment of quiet reflection. And I also want to warmly invite you, if you'd like to join us across the way over at the office, we have an incredible team of people who put together kind of little bags to be picked up, 
and you can pick up these little bags and, and make little sort of care packages that you can give out on, as you're traveling through Philadelphia. You're welcome to join us there. We also have pizza. These kids were way excited about pizza. They will sing for pizza, which is wonderful. I won't preach for pizza, but they'll sing for it. So beautiful stuff. Great to have you here. And now I'm going to offer a prayer. So please join me. So dear Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us to, 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 to understand this legacy, Lord, not just as a legacy in theory, Lord, but, but as a legacy, a legacy in practice, a legacy in use, a legacy in service, a legacy of lives have, as lived testimonies to the beloved community to the place where tenderness, love, and care become ascendant in our lives and draw us together one to another. Let us be in that place, Lord. As we sing this last song, Stand By Me, Lord, allow that to hear, to be heard by us at so many levels. Stand by me, Lord. Allow my heart when it is afraid, when it is unsure, when it is uncertain to hear, to hear, Lord. My prayer, stand by me. And Lord, to hear your prayer, stand by me. And Lord, when my heart actually has courage, allow me, Lord, to remember that one equals one. Stand by me. Allow me to see in others your kingdom, your creation, your beauty, your fulfillment, you. One equals one. Stand by me. And Lord, bless. Bless Randy and his endeavors. Bless Jess and Josh and the wonderful students from Rock to the Future. Allow us all, Lord, to join into a song. A song of the beloved community. Not just thought, not just taught, but lived. In your name, we pray. Amen. listening you can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv 